Chapter 2, Part 3 Heavy summer rain was falling by the time he arrived at school. His dad had never got around to buying him a raincoat or boots, but the rain didn't bother Finn. He hardly noticed it. Strumhead Primary School was big and spacious, but the classrooms were half empty. Years ago, the village had been full of children, the sons and daughters of fishermen, farmers and the families who ran the pub and the shops in the village. But nearly all the fishermen had gone now. The only trawler left in the harbour belonged to Charlie's dad, who used it for lobster potting. The shops had closed too, except for the general store where Mrs Lamb worked. There had been some incomers to the village, like Jazzy's dad, Professor Jameson, who had moved into the lighthouse, which had stopped working years ago. Amir and his parents too had settled in Stromhead from Pakistan, though Amir's father worked in Aberdeen for a ferry company and rarely came home. There were only 11 children in the school altogether, split into two classes. The five little ones in the infants were in a separate building on the other side of the playground, and the remaining six were in Mrs Farida's junior class. There were Charlie, Jazz, Amir, Kyla, Finn and Dougie. Charlie, Amir and Jazz were 11, and Kyla was 10. Dougie was only 8, but he was too old to be with the little ones, and he had to struggle along with the others as best he could. Finn was 11 too, but he seemed somehow older than the three older ones, and at the same time younger than the younger children. He didn't quite fit in with anyone. Mrs Farrader kept trying her best to help him join in with the class, but Finn was so used to being by himself that he was as relieved as the other children when he was allowed to go back to being on his own. He was watching warily now as Charlie blustered into the classroom. He'd learned long ago that Charlie was like an energetic dog on rainy days. He hated being cooped up in a small space. It made him all twitchy and ready to snap. The best thing was to avoid him. Today, Charlie looked more thunderous than even a wet day could explain. Finn couldn't know, of course, that Charlie had dropped his toast on the floor at breakfast time, sticky side down. His big sister had laughed at him and called him Butterfingers, and his dad had growled something that he wished he hadn't heard. Then he'd stubbed his toe really badly while running round the house looking for his second trainer and trodden on the cat who'd scratched him. All day long, during wet break and wet lunchtime, Finn managed to keep out of Charlie's way. The afternoon was always the worst on rainy days. The children were bored and fed up with being indoors. Today things were even worse than usual, as the rain had found a hole in the roof and water was coming into the classroom. It had dripped down the wall and ruined a picture of Stromhead Lighthouse that Finn had drawn. He'd been really proud of it too. He spent the last half hour of the day ignoring the rest of the class, sitting on his own, staring up at a poster that Mrs Farrader had pinned up on a dry bit of the classroom wall. It was about dolphins. There was one big picture in the middle of a dolphin leaping out of the water, with silvery drops catching the light against the blue of the sky, and lots of smaller pictures surrounding it of different kinds of dolphins, with maps and information about where they lived and what they did. The poster fascinated Finn. As he looked at it, he felt as if he could almost see the streamlined creatures travelling for miles through the deep ocean, calling to each other with their calves by their sides, diving and playing, leaping in the foam, slapping their tails down in the water. The classroom grew dim as he imagined himself out there with them in the sea, the water running smoothly along his body, the calm presence of friends around him. 
Mrs. Farrader broke into his daydream. The school will have to be closed tomorrow, children, so that we can get this leak fixed, she said. As it's a Friday and there's a bank holiday on Monday, you've got a nice long weekend to look forward to. Finn groaned to himself. He never knew which was worse, the dread of going to school or the lonely emptiness of the holidays. On balance, he thought, thought he really preferred going to school. Finn! Finn! Jazz was nudging him. Didn't you hear? It's your turn to put the books away. I'll help you if you like. And look, it stopped raining at last. It's really nice out there now. Finn came to with a start. The end of the school day had come and he hadn't even noticed it. She was right. The rain had stopped and the bright square of sunlight shone through the classroom window onto the floor. He nodded at Jazz awkwardly. He could tell that she was trying to be nice to him. It's only because she's feeling guilty about the party, he thought grudgingly. But he knew that wasn't fair. Jazz was the only one who did talk to him sometimes. She'd even volunteered to do a project with him once, on the Romans, though he could tell she'd been relieved when it was over. The others were collecting their things and making for the door. Finn hastily gathered up all the books that had been lying on the tables, and Jazz took them from him and put them back on the shelf. Then, still half in a dream, he picked up his bag and went towards the door. Here, Finn, you've forgotten your homework, Jazz said, picking up a sheet of paper that he'd left on his desk and handing it to him. He stared at it. Weren't you listening? It's the poem we've got to learn over the weekend. You know, the one Mrs. Farrader was talking about. The Selkie story. Finn started reading the poem as he walked slowly towards the classroom door and as he read something turned in his stomach. A fisherman sat on the lonely shore, mending his nets and sighing. Far out to sea, a dolphin heard the love song he was singing. She swam like an arrow, straight and true, and out from the water did run. No dolphin now, a woman fair, her hair from pure. He was so far away as he read, he forgot all about Charlie, whose temper had got worse and worse as the day had gone on. By now, after hours cooped up indoors, he was like a volcano with hot rocks and steam and lava all bubbling around inside him, ready to burst out. It was pure bad luck that Finn, still engrossed in the poem, happened to be walking past the classroom door just as Charlie tried to barge through it. Finn didn't move quickly enough, and Charlie gave him a shove. Finn, still in a dream, lost his balance and fell backwards, knocking over the table on which Mrs. Farrader had set out a display of shells to start the class collection. They landed on the floor with a horrible crash, and some of the big ones, old ones, broke. Finn gave a cry of distress. He loved shells. He liked to pick them up, look at their colours and stroke them, holding the big ones to his ear so that he could hear the sea. He was so upset he forgot to be cautious. He stuffed the poem in his pocket and bent down to pick up the shells. Look what you've done, Charlie, he blurted out. They're all broken. Charlie's eyes seemed to bulge out of his head. Look what I've done. Who knocked the table over? Who wouldn't get out of the way? Who's a sneaky wee, a sneaky slimy? Mrs. Farrader came hurrying out from the little staff room to the side of the classroom. Charlie, what have you done now? I've had enough of you today. Look at this mess. My shells. The lava inside Charlie boiled right over. 
It wasn't me. It was him, Finn. I didn't touch your stupid table. Finn, said Mrs. Farrader disbelievingly. I'm disappointed in you, Charlie. It's not like you to put the blame on someone else. It was the last straw. It's not fair. You always pick on me. It was Finn, he shouted. He stuck his face right into Finn's and he looked so like a tiger, snarling and ferocious, that Finn gasped in panic. His heart beating wildly, he turned and darted out through the school door and began to run through the gates and down the hill. Ah! roared Charlie, dashing after him. He was outside at last and there, trying to escape, was the person who'd ruined his day. With the red mist clouding his eyes, every thought went out of Charlie's head except for the goal of catching his prey and, and... Come on, Jazz yelled to the others. Charlie's in a rage. We've got to stop him before he does something awful. He's going for Finn, shrieked Kyla. And leaving Mrs. Farrader standing at the school door anxiously, shaking her head, Jazz, Amir, Kyla and Dougie raced after Charlie and Finn, the six of them streaking down the hill like a pack of hounds. Finn didn't have any time to think about where he was going. The grass on the hillside beneath his flying feet gave way to the tarmac of the village street. Then suddenly he was on the rough cobbles of the harbour wall. Too late, he realised that he'd made a terrible mistake. There was nothing ahead of him but the blunt end of the harbour wall and the sea beyond it. He was trapped. He turned round. Charlie was almost on him. You knocked the shell table over, Charlie was yelling. You made me get the blame. You! Finn took a step backwards, then another, and another, and then there was nothing beneath his feet. Arms and legs flailing, he fell off the harbour wall, down, down, into the cold green sea.